Hello and welcome to the CEO Blind Spots Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Connie Twistman, CEO of Fipros, which is a company that was actually founded on a sustainable concept and is a contract producer of food ingredients and retail packaged foods. Welcome to the show, Connie. Thanks a lot, Birgit, and thanks for having me. It's a great honor. Yes, well, it's not often that I get referred to a CEO for my podcast by my father because he tends to be very picky. But he told me that you have a background as a chemical engineer and he says he's never seen someone put together a management system that sets people up to succeed the way you have. And you lead through prioritized management objectives. I'm curious, what made you want to create a system like that? A degree in organizational management and organizations. But I think if I should step back what just one step the company Fibros was founded by a true entrepreneur and he realized uh, six seven years ago that maybe this was not his key priority to actually manage the company and by coincidence we met and from the very beginning we saw a very big match between our complementary competences because he is as many entrepreneurs very innovative very driven by new ideas where I come from the background that I love systems I love being structured I love having a certain defined path to follow. And when we agreed that I should step in as the CEO of Fibrous, one of the first thing for me was actually to say, what is it that we want to achieve? And back already within the first few months at Fibrous, I kind of made this draft for management priorities and they have stayed alive ever since. And we use it a lot in our everyday life because it defines not only the strategy where we are headed, it also defines on a more tactical and last but not least, definitely also on an operational level, how do we manage in our everyday priorities and make sure that we build the right competences for our employees? Yeah. So I think that have been guiding us from quite a period of time now. Well, you mentioned earlier, maybe part of it was because you got a degree in organizational management, but I also noticed you keep going back and you keep educating yourself. I know you've been back to Harvard to take some courses, Wharton School, and I think you've gone like back seven different courses you've taken. So it seems like you're a lifelong learner. So would you say that is another one of your best practices as a leader? I think if you're in a position where you need to keep on inspiring others, you definitely need also to have some inspiration yourself. Otherwise, you will just continue in the same routine. Just one of my great examples, and I think already going into one of the blind spots uh, that we are to talk about, I spent some time uh, at Wharton Business School, and we had a great, great professor educating in communication and, and how important it is to as a foundation to implement your strategies. And she actually physically walked around in the room saying, communication, 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 communication. Hmm. She said that for one or two minutes. And this was really a key moment for me because I understood at that point in time that if you want to achieve goals through others, uh, you need to communicate beyond the point where you feel you have already said it five times. Mm. or 10 times or 100 times. And it was so powerful because she really demonstrated that this is what it's all about. 
if you want to have a team around you, not only your, your smaller management team, but the entire organization, there's a huge need to continue to communicate what is it that you aim for on the strategic level, communicate what is it that you medium term, more tactical want to achieve. And of course, in your daily life, communicate what is it you want to see as fulfilled objectives day by day. That is my experience too. A lot of performance issues are happening because of miscommunication or lack of communication. Did yeah. you have a moment where you were like, oh, here's a blind spot as a leader? I think when when she walked around that room, I definitely said, oh, I have not done that sufficiently in the past. I would say I had maybe another key moment balancing out a little bit because you can also, to some people, maybe just communicate but never get there. Several times when I'm employing new people, I have used the metaphor around uh, popcorns. So the saying is really, you know, when you put popcorn into the microwave oven, you have some that really pops immediately. We know them from our organizations. They just follow you immediately. You have almost not fulfilled the sentence and say, yes, I want to go there. Can I help? Can we do that? Then you have the broad amount of people popping almost at the same time in the middle. We know that as well. But what was the key experience here or the key moment for me was also understanding that some will never pop. So when I just said that you need to communicate, there's really in my learning also a certain time where I say, and this certain person or these few persons stop communicating and make sure that if they really want to be part of your organization, they need to generally change their behavior. Otherwise, they would have a better life in a different organization. So also kind of taking the consequence of that some really is not the best fit for your, for your organization. Yeah. So I think communication at the one hand, but also when to stop the communication is balancing out that point very clearly. So back to your point about communication. In the last couple of years, a lot of people are communicating in the written form, and that is sometimes causes more problems than anything. Yeah. So how have you managed to communicate effectively? Do you do it verbally, in written form, through your model? It's actually a little bit of combination, I would say. Of course, like any other company, we have been challenged by the COVID-19 situation, which have limited ability to communicate directly. But at least in Denmark, uh, most of the restrictions was uh, lifted back in September last year. And what we have and what I do every fourth week is that I meet with all employees. So normally I would have like five or six meetings during the week because I need to meet the evening shift, the night shift, the weekend shift and so on. So I basically have this whole, the same meeting for like five or six times. And here I go through, you could say again, our management priorities, these five core things and say, what is really, what have we achieved? What is it that we still need to achieve within the lines? What have happened since we met the last time? And it also gives a lot of opportunity to have a more, don't know if I could call it more intimate dialogue, but especially meeting with the night shift where they typically are fewer people. We tend to have very, very good discussions and learn a lot about what is happening in the factory that I would not elsewhere be aware of. So it gives a lot of input for me and it gives me a position that I, I know a little bit what is going on below the surface, so to speak. Mm, so it sounds like you communicate at all levels in the organization. I definitely do. It should also, in all fairness, be said we're not a big organization. We're like 130 people. So it's not like thousands and thousands that I was used to in the past in bigger companies. That would have been a huge challenge to do 
so. So it's doable because we're small. But I love that. And then, of course, I combine it also with uh, written communication, typically uh, through emails or things like that, making yeah. sure if I had an immediate message that could not wait for several days or if there's a few weeks to the next information meeting, of course, then I do it in writing. But I think what really makes it useful for me is to do a combination that also meets the employees at different places. Some are best in written, some are best in direct dialogue. So trying to match the different needs in the organization that way. Okay. Wow. And then I did hear that you have an amazing system, technology system, where you can actually see where, how people are doing, how they're performing, and somehow they feel empowered by your system rather than, rather than disempowered by it. What's the trick there, so to speak? I think first and foremost, we have had some great young engineers. They have been trainees in our company, and we have been so lucky to be able to employ them afterwards. And they have really brought in some new ideas regarding digitalization and things like that. So it's amazing what they can do. I think from a motivation point of view, it's very, very important to put it into the right context, not saying this is to keep an eye on you. This is to make sure that you do the most and not cheat and not pause. If you put it into that, it's it's a sentence almost. So so I think we spend some time really bringing out the positive and say, this is a key system where you can see what is the normal level. If you're not able to read that call for technical support immediately. Do not spend your own time. Don't get annoyed that it's not working. This is your guarantee that you will have backup and, and things like that. So I think it, it has been received very well from all the employees and they have understood that this is not, you know, just a trick to, to check if they are working hard. But, but again, I think it goes hand in hand with the culture in the company. If you are generally trusting people, you can do a thing like that. If, but on the other side, if it was a culture with no trust or little trust, it would be a difficult thing to convince people that this is how you see it. And I also saw that you have a very well-defined value system. And so is that what sets the context as well? Do people people at all levels know where you're coming from and what you value? I guess they are, at least now they are. As as I said earlier, we started this out like five, six years ago, and we use it every time when we have the information meetings in written context and so on. So, you know, we have this system, we we define it as a pyramid. Yeah. Because it's very important that what you stand on is really the strong foundation. We say this is a a social responsibility that is easy for everybody to relate to. Next level is the environmental responsibility. That is a huge thing important to our world that everybody can connect to as well. And then we build on top from that the working environment, the food safety, and then of course productivity. But I think it makes you also uh, more wholehearted when you actually are true to your values and say, we actually are not interested in making a bottom line if it is on the if it's due to not having a good working place if we are contradictory in what we do talking about food quality food safety and so on so it's really becoming live when you walk the talk and make sure that your management team is great role models yeah. as soon as you break these values you have stepped five steps a step backwards in what you wanted to achieve right yes. so, so this is really important also in the performance uh, discussions with my management team 
team that they are true role models and that they basically feel like that and it's not just something they pretend to to agree with yeah that they're inspired by it and passionate about it which exactly. is, I saw as one of your values very good well so you mentioned earlier that the covid situation and you know a lot of leaders had a tough time with that how did you make it through we actually grew through the covid-19 situation you can say the remains of that and what of course hurts our business a little bit is that i don't know how it is in the us but in denmark it's very very difficult to recruit people and have been for almost a year now there have been some significant changes in the availability of good and competent employees so yeah. there's a strong fight to get the best one yeah and then secondly what we also see which is now even enforced by the uh, war between uh, russia and ukraine is really that it's difficult to have all the right food ingredients in europe a lot of foods origin from russia and ukraine when you talk cereals and so on so it have started kind of a very difficult game that you have to wait for the ingredients it gives ex- delays and so on so that is a very it's a much more direct crisis right now compared yeah. to how we saw the covid 19 situation And how are you making it through? Right now, it, it's really a you know, combined struggle between us and our customers. As we are contract manufacturers, many of them deliver their own raw materials. So they are not blaming us. We are just trying together in partnership with our customers to find the best way. If we can do substitutions, if we can mingle, change a little bit the recipes to have the same product. So we are trying to do magic every day and, and just cross our fingers that the world would change there. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So you're partnering up with your customers at another level. Definitely. Um yeah. getting much more close and and really like uh, working in each other's uh, backyard all the time. <laughs> yeah. And then how did you manage the recruiting or what are you doing about the recruiting crisis? I became very much aware a few years ago that I have a significant blind spot because I continued to compare candidates for jobs with my own work values until I understood that really the younger people they do not want to work as many hours as I've done for many years they do not see this really really working hard situation as an objective they want to to get to for them it's much more important to have a good balance between the work and family life and in the beginning i did not feel that they were passionate i did not feel that they were sufficiently engaged in the job and honestly a little bit disappointed until i really understood they just see it differently and maybe they are just much more smart than i've been myself very good and what was the moment when you realized that i had a candidate and i was actually not sure he was the right one then when he left he said i'll let you know tomorrow if i'm interested and it was i was just wow always when you are employing candidates normally you would tell them i let you know tomorrow if i want but he <laughs> yeah. said exactly the opposite and and it made me think what what happened here and i just understood he he belongs to a different generation and he was smarter maybe than i've been but definitely with a different sets of values i think a lot of leaders can relate to that moment in that situation thank you It's still a challenge to be honest. I think what we have done is that we have been more aware now to make sure that we are really really a great place to work, making sure that it's attractive, yeah. making sure first and foremost that we are not losing the employees we already have. So we have started exactly. programs, you know, really celebrating your 10th 10 years anniversary, things like that, making a lot more attractive to stay for many years because also yeah. the time spent with competence development, it's so much better 
to stick to those you already have. And, you know, word of mouth, if it's an attractive working place, it's easier for you to attract new as well. Yes, fantastic. Well, I certainly appreciate your willingness to share all your leadership lessons and how you run such a great company. I know you guys have been recognized also for being socially sustainable. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who want to work for a company like that. But people want to know more about your company. They can go to FiprosAS.com. And Connie, thank you again. It's been such a pleasure to hear about your insights and the way you shared about how you had your aha moment about the importance of communication. So I appreciate you contributing to other leaders today through this podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Birgit.